Tale Eight of the Story of King Arthur. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by phone. The Story of King Arthur in Twelve Tales by Winona Caroline Martin. Tale Eight: The Dolorous Stroke. And there, with morning, Merlin came. And on the tomb that told their fame, he wrote by Balon's Balin's name, and gazed thereon, and wept. Swinburne's Tale of Balin Once, when Arthur was holding his court at Carleon, up to the castle gate there rode a messenger from our old acquaintance, King Reigns of North Wales. This was the giant, you will remember, from whose clutches Arthur had rescued poor old King Leodogran of Cameliard, thus winning for himself not only glory but what was former precious to him his beautiful bride guinevere reigns it would appear had by this time somewhat forgotten the lesson taught him then by britain's young overlord for he was once again worrying about that famous mantle of his whose fringe still lacked the twelfth king's beard with which the old giant wished to trim it so the message now came to arthur much as it had come to leodogran long ago if you do not send me your beard peaceably and of your own accord i will march against you with a great army and take it and your head along with it so beware at that threat however arthur and all his knights broke into a merry laugh tell your master said he to the messenger that i am not yet old enough to have a beard worth sending but tell him also that if he wants it such as it is he can come and fight for it after which Arthur, having many more important things to think about, completely forgot the matter for a time. Some weeks later, however, when the court had removed to Camelot, Arthur's favourite capital, the dim rich city of shadowy palaces, news came that Rience was marching in that direction with his great army of giants, burning and slaying the king's loyal subjects as he came. Thereupon Arthur sent out the alarm, and there gathered together from far and near all the noblemen of Britain, ever ready at a moment's notice to flock to the standard of their liege lord and crush the enemy one day therefore when this great company of knights was assembled in the king's council chamber planning the campaign against rience there suddenly appeared among them a maiden wearing an immense sword damsel said arthur according to his custom stopping all proceedings to listen to the plea of one in trouble why are you thus armed are there not brave knights enough in my kingdom to champion the cause of all fair ladies in distress this is a reproach to me for did i not promise the lady of the lake when she gave me excalibur that i would make the land so safe that no maiden should ever again need to bear a weapon sire replied the damsel sadly i wear this sword because i cannot take it off it was put on me by enchantment and i have been told that one of the knights here at your court is the only person in all the world who can ever draw it from its scabbard and thus set me free from the curse doubtless maiden you have been correctly informed said arthur with just a touch of pride in his voice for where in all the world are there such knights as mine then he called his following about him and told them beginning at the youngest and least proven to try in turn this adventure of the sword so they came those stalwart young fellows and pulled and tugged without success until the maiden said wearily you need not try so hard he who can draw it at all can draw it easily the king however was not yet greatly worried for there still remained his older knights true and tried 
who had not made the attempt presently it was garrett's turn he who had vanquished day and night and death himself and he stepped forward and pulled and tugged and failed then came geraint who had humbled the haughty sparrow-hawk and he pulled and tugged and failed then tristram whose prowess in times past had delivered both cornwall and ireland and he pulled and tugged and failed at this the king turned still confident to his dearest friend the mighty launcelot before whose lance king duke earl count and baron had ever gone down and he pulled and tugged and failed last of all arthur himself remembering how long ago he had drawn the sword from the anvil and unwilling that his court should be thus put to shame made a trial also so he pulled and tugged and failed my knights said he when all was over i greatly fear that this has come to us as a warning that our purposes are no longer as single as in the days of old let each man present look to his own heart and life lest the aim of our noble fellowship be defeated then a deep hush fell upon them all and they dared not look into each other's eyes for shame of this thing that had befallen them at last the maiden was about to turn hopelessly away when from a far corner of the hall there stepped a poorly clad knight known as balin the savage he was not of arthur's company but he had killed a relative of the king's for which offence he had been thrown into prison until arthur had learned that all had taken place in a fair fight then arthur the just had released the young fellow who as it happened had not yet left the court this night therefore after asking permission of his sovereign bowed low to the maiden and said courteously fair lady will you let me try perchance this adventure is mine but the damsel wearied as she was looked at balin's prison-worn garments and answered a trifle scornfully no pray do not trouble me any more what can you expect to do when all these good knights have failed do not judge me by my outward appearance gentle maiden persisted the youth many a brave man has worn poor raiment before now i pray you let me try then having won her reluctant consent he took the sword lightly by the hilt and drew it from its scabbard as easily as arthur had drawn his from the anvil in those brave days of old after which he held it up a trifle proudly and thought that he had never seen so beautiful a weapon before presently he said fair lady may i keep this sword as a trophy to which the maiden ashamed of her former conduct toward him who had proved to be her deliverer was about to consent most willingly when she chanced to look toward merlin in whose eyes she read a mysterious and gloomy prophecy she hesitated therefore and at last said slowly speaking as if she were repeating the words of another rather than her own you may have it sir knight and welcome but i advise you not to take it for if you do it will cause you to do great harm and with it you will at last slay the man whom you love best in all the world now this balin had earned his title the savage because of the good-natured recklessness of his disposition hearing this strange prophecy therefore he never thought of heeding it but cried out instead of that damsel i will take my chances for my brother balon is the man whom i love best in all the world and i certainly will never raise a sword against him then the maiden yielded and passed from the hall and balin would have followed her had not the king called him back do not go said arthur and do not be angry with me because of my mistake in throwing you into prison stay with us now we pray you and be one of our own number 
at which invitation the lad's heart leaped with pride and joy yet he answered i thank you sire but i beg you to let me first go forth to seek adventure then when i have proved myself worthy i will gladly return if i may so he departed and when arthur found himself alone with merlin he turned to the wise one with a wondering look in his deep blue eyes can it be merlin said he that this balin is the greatest knight in all the world who is some day to appear to take his seat in the siege perilous ah no replied the sage the time for him is not ripe nevertheless this balin wild and careless with his weapons as he sometimes is is a passing good knight and will do you good service yet much harm shall also come through his rashness and his own life will be short and sad meanwhile balin knowing little of these prophecies and caring less rode on his way rejoicing in his freedom until he presently met his twin brother balon who was coming to arthur's court to plead for the prisoner's release after the first joy of their meeting balon informed his brother that king reince was at that moment encamped nearby at castle terrible let us go against him then cried balin impulsively he is arthur's enemy and this is my opportunity for proving myself in the cause of the great white king balon was willing enough to agree so he wheeled his horse about and rode with his brother until they met an old man dressed in black with a long white beard knights where are you going inquired the stranger to which balin the hasty one replied that we will tell you if you will tell us your name i will not answer your question but i will answer my own instead said the aged man after which you will be able to answer yours you are bound for castle terrible in search of arthur's enemy reigns but you will gain nothing by your quest unless you ask my advice then both the brothers cried out together ah you are merlin you are merlin pray forgive us for our rudeness and tell us what we must do so the wise one led them into the shadows of a deep wood and told them to sleep there until he should awaken them this they did and towards midnight were suddenly aroused by the cry reince is coming he is riding through the wood with his soldiers before him wait until they have passed and when the king himself appears you can fall upon and easily take him prisoner in fact they had not long to wait for presently a company of giant knights rode by then at just the right moment merlin whispered there is reince make your attack thereupon balin and balon rushed forward making such a din and clatter with their arms that the soldiers hearing this terrible noise at their rear never stopped to investigate but thinking that arthur's whole army was lying there in ambush fled for their lives abandoning their sovereign to his fate thus was reince captured and brought to the court of his rightful liege lord where he did homage most humbly and was never afterwards known to trouble arthur again Balin, however, felt that he could not rest on the laurels of this one achievement. Parting from his brother, therefore, who seems to have had other work on hand, he rode along by himself until he chanced to meet with a knight and a maiden, both of whom appeared very sad and dejected. Instantly it occurred to our hero that here might be an opportunity for another adventure. So he said to the knight courteously, You seem to be in trouble. Is there any way in which I can help you? Alas! neither you nor any other human being can render me any assistance replied the knight with a bitter sigh why i have made an enemy of garlon the man who writes invisible and he may strike me down at any time without the slightest warning 
but at least i may ride along with you may i not inquired balin yes if you wish was the hopeless reply so the three rode on together but they had not gone far when suddenly there appeared in the air seemingly with no hand to guide it a lance which struck the knight from behind so that he dropped to the ground crying i am killed take my horse sir knight for he is better than yours care for this maiden as you honour your knighthood find this traitor who rides invisible and avenge my death and with those words he died then it was balin's turn to be sad and silent for brave man though he was he was filled with horror at the thought that an enemy could steal upon him thus but presently his anger at the cowardly conduct of this garland so flamed within him that he forgot his dread and vowed there before the maiden never to relinquish the quest until he had found and slain the dastardly fellow now this was far more easily said than done as our rash balin began to realize as the days went by he and the maiden therefore rode on for a long time hearing nothing of garlon although meeting with various other adventures until one evening they came to the gate of a stately castle of whose lord they begged harborage for the night while they were seated at this man's hospitable board above the music with which their host had sought to entertain them balin believed he heard a sound very like a deep groan as no one else seemed to pay the slightest attention however our hero decided that his imagination was playing him some trick but presently it came again this time louder than before and then a third time a terrible moaning sound as from one in great pain then the music and the laughter ceased while the lord of the castle bowed his head in his hands as if he too were in agony and said that is my son whom you hear he was wounded by a knight named garlon who rides invisible and they tell me that he can never be healed until this cowardly fellow is slain alas i am now too old to start upon such a quest but i wish i might find some brave man who would undertake it for me then balin related his story and added can you tell me where and when i can ever meet this villain face to face yes replied their host for he is the brother of king pelles who is to give a great feast at his castle within a few days from now this garland will surely be there and he will be visible for otherwise he could partake of neither food nor drink any knight can attend this banquet without special invitation providing he brings with him a lady this fair damsel therefore will make you a welcome guest then balin rejoiced that at last he was so near the end of this particular adventure so in the morning he and the maiden set out for the distant castle to which they came on the first day of the feast the king's attendants led our hero into an inner chamber and there disarmed him of all but his precious sword which he begged to be allowed to keep by him then he was shown into the great banquet hall and seated with his maiden at his side it was a wonderful gathering of brave knights and fair ladies from all over britain so that poor balin looked about him bewildered and began to wonder how he would ever recognize his enemy amid the throng presently he said to the man on his right can you tell me which of these knights is garlon the king's brother yes replied his neighbour there he is yonder the one with the dark face then balin looked steadfastly at the man whom he had sought so long and said to himself i am but a stranger here while he is among relatives and friends if i attack him they will certainly fall upon me in a body whereas if i let him go i may never see him face to face again but while these thoughts were passing through his mind garlon perceived the stranger's gaze fixed upon him 
and rising suddenly stepped to his side and struck him across the face exclaiming knave why do you stare at me eat your meat and do what you came for so i will cried balin and with that he drew his sword and cut off garland's wicked head before anyone could stop him then he turned to his maiden saying flee flee for your life for i have no chance of saving mine but tell our kind host that his son's wound will heal now she obeyed and none too soon for in another moment the whole company of knights had arisen to throw themselves in a body upon the slayer of their kinsmen but at that instant the voice of the king was heard crying aloud let no one touch him but me i alone must avenge my brother's death with that pelles grasped his spear and aimed a blow at balin our hero however managed to catch the blow in his sword which was thus struck from his hand and crashed to the ground then finding himself thus defenceless balin dashed through the crowd of knights in front of him and ran from room to room of the old castle hoping somewhere to come across a weapon while all the time king pelles followed in swift pursuit now balin hasty impetuous well-meaning fellow that he was had not the slightest idea who this new enemy of his might be but the truth was that he had come to carbonek the castle of the holy grail and that king pelles was the keeper of the sacred chalice the grail you must know was the mystic cup from which jesus our saviour drank with his disciples at the last supper and also the vessel in which joseph of arimathea caught the drops of blood when our suffering lord hung upon the cross since that time it had possessed miraculous powers for the blood had remained in it ever after endowing it with a mysterious life of its own the nature of which no mortal man could understand one of these powers was that it could give food and drink to whomsoever it chose so that one thus fed by it knew neither hunger nor thirst for earthly things ever again thus it had happened that joseph who had given jesus burial in his own rock-hewn sepulchre wherein was never man yet laid was afterwards thrown into prison and fed there for many years so that his jailers were mystified afterwards when he was at last released he came to britain bearing the sacred chalice with him and by it he had been kept alive here in carbonet castle awaiting the coming of that best knight in all the world before whose arrival it had been prophesied he should not see death balin had of course heard of joseph and of the holy grail but he had never hoped to see either for the world before the coming of arthur had grown so wicked that these wonderful things once visible to all had been withdrawn from mortal eyes and even the knights who came and went freely about carbonet castle knew nothing about a certain room which could be reached only by a secret passage it chanced however that balin in his mad flight before the infuriated monarch touched a hidden spring which caused the door to this mysterious passage to swing back down this corridor he dashed until he found himself upon the threshold of a room hung with richest tapestries and lighted by a soft red glow proceeding he could not have told from where though it was like the light of neither sun nor moon nor candles the whole atmosphere of this apartment was so strange and awe-inspiring that probably any one save this rash balin the savage would have paused reverently before entering upon a magnificent bed in a far corner lay an old old man with a beard as white as the driven snow he seemed as peaceful as if he were dead yet there was the colour of life upon his cheeks and his lips were tinted near his side stood a table of solid gold and silver wrought together in weird and beautiful patterns 
and on this table lay a spear from whose point there fell from time to time a drop of blood where the blood touched it the table shone with a mysterious glory afterwards balin remembered all these things but at the moment his one thought was of the weapon of which he stood in such great need in an instant he had grasped it and turned fiercely upon king pelles who was now close behind him one moment more and the king had dropped to the ground senseless with a deep gaping wound in his side but as he fell balin felt the floor rocking beneath him presently he let slip the spear which seemed to burn his hand he looked about him terror-stricken and perceived that the walls were shaking and moving then a great din of crashing and splitting struck his ears and at last the floor itself began to give way beneath him while a burst of light streamed in from the roof as it opened and fell apart at last the thick stone walls tottered and toppled then with a mighty roar and crash the whole castle collapsed into a formless heap of ruins for three days after that balin knew no more then as he was returning painfully to consciousness he heard a voice which he recognized as merlin's gently calling his name balin it said wake up it is time for you to leave this place see i have brought you a horse and here is your sword which i rescued for you from the ruins but poor balin was stiff and sore and would much have preferred to be let alone until merlin said to him sternly balin balin the savage do you know what you have done i have killed a cowardly murderer who rode invisible replied our hero yes but you have done more than that continued the sage the old man who lay in that bed was the saintly joseph of arimathea and king pelles is his descendant and the present keeper of the grill while that spear with which you wounded the king's side was the very one the roman soldier used when he pierced the heart of our saviour on the cross and joseph and king pelles whispered balin in an awed voice are they dead no replied merlin for it was not in your power to kill them but the king can never be healed of that terrible wound which you gave him until the coming of the best knight in all the world it was because you struck with that sacred spear that the castle fell and by that same dolorous stroke the whole land for miles about is laid waste and must remain desolate until the coming of that knight of whom i spoke then merlin vanished and balin sick at heart rode on his dreary way alone for three days he followed a lane through fields where nothing grew and through gardens whose flowers hung old and faded on their stalks until at last he came to a cross whereon was written in letters of gold let no knight ride alone to this castle balin however was too wary of his own life to heed any warning and continued on his way until he came to the castle in question where he was greeted heartily by a great company of knights and ladies the chief lady of the castle however said to him stranger there is a certain knight here who keeps an island and no man may pass thereby unless he joust with him that is a bad custom replied balin nevertheless i am willing so they provided him with a shield then he and his horse were put upon a barge and sailed away to the farther side of a beautiful lake there balin disembarked and rode forward until he beheld coming toward him a mighty knight clothed all in fiery red in a moment both had set their spears in rest and crashed together so that each was thrown from his horse then they arose and began to fight with their swords and it seemed to balin that never before had he encountered such prowess at last he became angered at the thought that any one should thus stand against him 
and lashed with such fury that presently the valiant red knight sank to the ground crying i yield you have vanquished me and i cannot live with the wounds which i have received but i do not care for that for i have kept the custom of the castle as i promised to which balin replied sir knight you have killed me too tell me who you are for never before have i met with such a valiant man of arms then the stranger answered huskily my name is balon brother to balin one of the best knights in all the world him i know you could never have overthrown at this balin wounded though he was crept to his brother's side and raising his visor cried bitterly alas the fateful prophecy was true i have done great mischief and with this sword i have slain the man whom i love best in all the world then not long after having comforted each other in their last moments the two ill-fated brothers breathed their last the following morning merlin came to perform the burial rites after which he took balin's accursed sword and put upon it a new hilt rich in gold and jewels and bearing an inscription written in weird characters then he said to himself it shall yet serve in a holy cause and with that he drove the weapon into a great block of red marble which he threw into the lake upon whose placid bosom it floated like a piece of wood for many a year until at last it drifted down to camelot which mystic city it reached on the self-same day when the best knight in all the world arrived there to take his place in the siege perilous end of tale eight recording by phone